0: Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're here to discuss education and the environment, creating standards-based programs in schools and districts. It's a new book by Gerald Lieberman as part of our Harvard Education Press book series. Gerald, welcome to the EdCast.
1: Thank you very much.
0: So, Gerald, a uh, quick question about this book, Education in the Environment. I'm looking at the, the cover right now, and I see a, what looks like a, a dandelion with the spores about to come out. When you say the environment, you're literally talking about you know outside and what education can be gained from that.
1: Well, I'm talking about the environment very broadly. I'm referring to natural systems, so the ecosystems that we think about, and rivers, lakes, creeks, the air, the mountains, the forests, but also the environment in a school, uh, and as well as human social systems. So we're really looking at the interface between both of those. So it would be what some people would call the natural environment, but it's really crucial that students have an opportunity to learn in and about how that natural environment connects to humans.
0: Now when you talk about the natural environment and the sort of standards-based approach, is that more challenging to put that together, factoring in the natural environment? I suppose what makes this book and this sort of methodology different than other, other techniques?
1: Well, this methodology is truly focused on two things. One is giving students a context in which they can learn about what they need to learn in terms of standards, whether it's science or history, social science, English, language arts, or math, so that they're learning about it in a context. And it's also simultaneously helping, helping them to understand about their local environment. And if they're in a rural area, they're certainly learning about uh, farmland or prairies or forests, or creeks and lakes. But if they're in an urban setting, they're gonna be learning about their environment. It may be a vacant lot at the side of the school. Uh, that's, that's the natural environment part. And what so what makes this different is that we're really giving them a context within which to learn their standards. So that rather than learning about the ancient history of Mesopotamia, without a context which is often taught to sixth graders, and they're just reading about it in a book, we want them to have an opportunity to learn about something that's occurring in their local area, but then help them relate that to what happened in ancient, in ancient Egypt, uh, Mesopotamia, and the Fertile Crescent, so they can really see, well... They were concerned about water issues. We're still concerned about water issues, and learn it in a way that has more meaning to them because it's more tangible to them.
0: Yeah, it's such a great holistic way to educate uh, on multiple subjects. And talk about the projects outlined in the book and how the book flows, and and, and what types of audiences would find this book uh, quite meaningful.
1: Well, we've really aimed the book at a couple of audiences. Uh, teachers, school administrators, district and state department of education administrators as well. Really educators who are aiming to make their classes, their academic teaching and instructional methodology more meaningful to the students. So we start with a discussion of the major issues in the environment right now. This isn't an environmental book, it's just giving a context again. We talk about the history of education briefly again, and the fact that the natural systems, the natural world, has really been at the core of education for for thousands of years, really from the ancient Greeks and earlier. It was critical that children learned about what they were surrounded by so that they could survive. Then we give a number of examples of school programs, standards-based, that that help the students learn about their local community, their local environment, and become proficient in the standards. There's quite a bit of information on the research that's been done over the last 20 years that demonstrates this kind of an environmental context it is an effective teaching tool. And then we provide a variety of information on how individuals teachers school districts even parents could encourage a school and get a school started on the road toward implementing this kind of program even to the depth of planning the program getting local community participants involved all the way to identifying standards to creating lessons and learning objectives and assessments and program evaluations so that the implementers on this, the educators who are interested in developing programs like this have a good take on all of the different tools that they can use to get a program started. Who do they get involved? How do they get community and members involved? How do they connect these programs to standards? How do they connect them to program assessment and evaluation? So they have a good overview on all of the tools with many, many different examples from a variety of successful programs in everywhere from California to uh, to Pennsylvania uh, to Florida, a variety of programs that have succeeded tremendously well with this kind of educational strategy.
0: Uh, Gerald, do you mind painting us a picture of what one of those programs were? Uh, I'm not going to ask you to name your favorite program or what you like to highlight most, but just g- kind of paint a portrait of what was one of the most successful programs was within a school or a district.
1: Well, uh, this is one one that's always intrigued me was in Huntington area middle school in Huntington, Pennsylvania, where it was a program that was developed by teachers at the school, a cross-section of disciplines, a, a history social sciences teacher, a math teacher, an English language arts teacher, a science teacher, and a computer literacy teacher who wanted to engage their students. They weren't, they didn't start this concerned about the environment per se but they began taking their students outside there was a creek near the school and the students started to do some water quality testing there and what they discovered was that there was a pollutant in there it happened to be a human caused pollutant of fecal coliform that was far above the legal health standards and they began to explore that where was this coming from how could they deal with it? And once they realized that it was a potential major health problem for their own community, they started to collect data on the organisms in the creek. They looked for indicator species to find out, were these healthy organisms represented in the creek, or since the creek was now polluted, had the organisms there changed? And then they did math analysis on the data they collected. And in terms of English language arts, they, for example, developed presentations, and they started to do those presentations for community leaders and the city council. And ultimately, this, the work of these sixth grade students led to the community receiving over a million dollars in grant funding to repair the problem. The problem was some damaged sewer mains that had been there far too long. And so the the environmental service learning work of these students, in fact, the effort of educating others in the community led them to a major accomplishment, which was improving the public health situation in their community. Now, what's intriguing about a program like that is it's engaging to the students. It lets the teachers actually work with real-world data for their students, but what one of the administrators in the school discovered on his own was that it dramatically changed the discipline problems in those classrooms, and these students had approximately five percent of the rate of classroom discipline problems that the other sixth grade students had. So it's really got tremendous impact. I've mentioned academics before, but also on students' engagement and behavior. It's it's really not surprising that when students are more engaged in what they're studying, their behavior changes. And many of the students that are referred to as troublemakers in a classroom setting, in a sit-in-your-chair kind of setting, teachers have told us for the last 15 years become leaders once they're taken outside and actively engaged in a real environmental topic
0: like this wow yeah it really seems to enable people's leadership abilities and activism Uh, it sounds like a fantastic uh, fantastic model Uh, last question um, Gerald how important and how challenging is it to tie all of these lessons back to standards-based knowing the fact that they are standards-based and what that means how important and challenging was it to, to always connect them back to that
1: Well, the reason I think it's critically important to do that is because standards over the last 15 or 20 years have obviously come to the fore as have assessments. And so we've always found it crucial to the credibility of this program and environment-based education as a whole, whatever organization does it, to connect to the standards in a way that makes it beneficial for the teachers who are already overwhelmed with work to come up with an intriguing, engaging strategy they can use to teach their standards simultaneously with the teaching of something about their local community. Now, what's important is that with the genesis of the Common Core State Standards in English Language Arts and Math, and more recently the Next Generation Science Standards, these new standards, in fact, all call for practices that students develop and develop, will develop in this kind of environment-based education programs. Uh, the Common Core standards in English language arts, for example, ask that they develop literacy and science and history social science and other technical subjects and that they're reading and developing those skills in real world settings and that they're making presentations about what they're doing At the same time, the next generation science standards now call for a great deal of learning on the systems thinking approach that I talked about earlier with students understanding natural systems and human social systems and the interactions between those systems and how do the next generation science standards very specifically speak to how do human activities affect natural systems. So it... Strangely enough, or luckily enough, in fact, with the genesis of all of these new standards, it's created even more opportunities for teachers to tie what they need to do to the standards that their states have adopted.
0: The book is Education and the Environment, Creating Standards-Based Programs in Schools and Districts. The authors, Gerald Lieberman and Gerald, it sounds like this book could be a real game-changer in schools and districts.
1: Well, thank you very much.
0: This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.